You're listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for this week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCrary, your host, and also the leader for the Adult Explore the Bible team. Today, I'm being joined by one of my team members, which is David Briscoe. David's one of the editors. He mostly focuses on the adult commentary. David, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Dwayne. I'm glad to be here. Uh, We're going to be looking at session one as we begin our study in the winter of 2020-21 of the book of Luke. This first session, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter one, verses 13 through 25, and we've entitled this particular study, Plan. We begin by looking at verses 13 through 17. In these verses, an angel appears to Zechariah to declare to him that God heard his prayer and would give him a son. The angel told Zechariah to name the son John. He would be a prophet like Elijah and would prepare people for the coming of the Messiah. We've entitled this section, Prayer Answered, because it is an answer to the prayer of Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth. In verses 18 through 20, we find Zechariah questioning the angel, expressing doubt about being able to have children. The angel then identifies himself as Gabriel and assures Zechariah that God sent him. Zechariah was told that he would not be able to speak until after the birth of John. We've entitled this particular section, Doubt Expressed, and the focus is that God has the power to do what he says he will do. In verses 21 through 25, we find Zechariah finally emerging from the sanctuary, but unable to speak. The people present realized he had seen a vision. After completing his temple duties and returning home, Elizabeth, who is Zechariah's wife, conceives a child and then remains secluded for five months. We've entitled this section, Reality Seen. In this section, the key point is that believers can live with confidence that God keeps his promises. So let me just give you those main points again. Uh, Verses 13 through 17, prayer is answered. Uh, The main point there is God is working to bring about his redemptive plan. Verses 18 through 20, we've entitled Doubt Expressed. God has the power to do what he says he will do. And the third section, verses 21 through 25, is the reality seen, which believers can live with the confidence that God keeps his promises. David, I'm going to just jump right in here uh, with this first big question. What was the problem with Zachariah's question to begin with? That's, to me, it seems like a pretty simple question. How can this be? What's the problem with his question? Well, I have to confess I, to him among those who have puzzled over uh, not only the, the question, but what happened uh, as a response to Zachariah's question. So I think it, it helps us if we just uh, pause and look a little bit at the background, who is Zachariah and, uh, and what exactly was he asking and, and uh, to whom was he asking this? David, it, to, for clarity, for some people, if they're using the King James, they're going to see this as Zacharias with yeah. an S instead of H. Uh, I don't know that there's much... Uh, uh, to discuss about one way or the other, just know that they're the same people. That's exactly right. Yeah, Zechariah. Uh, and and so, as I said, I, I have I wondered about this, and so in looking at uh, in the background of the question, let, let's just think a minute about 
who Zechariah is. Uh, he's a priest, and a, a Jewish priest, obviously, and uh, he has been one for all of his life, presumably. Uh, and yet, he is still engaged in active ministry in Jerusalem at the temple. And uh, he was married to a devout Jewish woman, Elizabeth. In fact, both of them are described as righteous, very devout Jews. There, there's no question about their integrity, about their commitment to God no, no at all. No question about, about their relationship to the Lord and to uh, their, their piety, their uh, religious uh, devotion. Uh, and then Luke also described them as uh, Elizabeth as well along in years. And I think that's a pretty di diplomatic way of uh, <laughs> describing that. Uh, but also indicates that um, the couple had no children. They're elderly, but they had no children uh, because Elizabeth could not conceive. That that point is made by Luke. And the uh, the issue with that, and the reason that detail is important is because that uh, barrenness uh, by a, uh, a Jewish wife uh, in that era especially uh, was sometimes considered to be, you know, a curse from, the, from God and uh, just that something was wrong with the person's faith. So Luke makes it a point to say, now these were righteous people, they were devout, but uh, the fact was that she had no children, uh, and Elizabeth could not conceive. So then this, this duty, this religious duty that Zechariah was performing in the temple at the time really was an honor because they had more, uh, they had more priests available than they had these, uh, times for the priests to be serving, especially if it were an, um, a festival or, uh, an important, uh, period on the calendar. And, and so the duty Zechariah was performing in the temple was an honor. He was selected by drawing lots. Uh, and so he had uh, waited. He, think about the number of times that he had been passed up waiting for that, that opportunity. Right. Exactly. And, uh, and so this, this was his time. And so he is, his task at the temple was to enter the sanctuary of the Lord, which is the inner part of the temple uh, where the incense altar was and to um, and to burn the incense as representing the prayers of the people uh, going up unto God. So you have this picture of the worshipers outside on the courtyards of the temple uh, and inside you have the priest who is offering the incense uh, in as a form of prayer so that the people's uh, prayers are going up unto the Lord. And, but then the question of course is uh, what prayer was, was being prayed. So the angel Gabriel appears at that time and he's standing right to the side of the place where the incense is burning and the smoke is lifting unto the Lord. And, and, and Gabriel says to Zechariah, uh, hey, your your prayer has been heard. God's heard your prayer. And well, it may have been that what he was praying was this general prayer for the deliverance of God's people. 
Uh, perhaps that's what the people were praying. But it also could well be that, that Zechariah was praying for something much, much more personal. In other words, the fact that, that he and his wife had not had a child. It, of course, uh, he was so, so surprised when Gabriel told him, hey, your wife is going to conceive and have a son, that uh, more, more than likely, uh, Zechariah was praying more that general prayer of, Lord, deliver your people, Israel, uh, from their enemies, from their oppressors, uh, give them their freedom, send the Messiah, uh, that, that kind of prayer. The answer that Gabriel gave certainly had to come as a shock to <laughs> Zechariah. It, it, uh, uh, if he was praying what he was supposed to be praying. Right. Exactly. Sure, because it, it's a different answer. Gabriel said to Zechariah, uh, Elizabeth is going to conceive and have a son. And here's, here's what the son is going to, to do. Uh, number one, he's going to revive the prophetic voice among, uh, in Judaism. Uh, you know, Amos 3.7 says the Lord God does nothing without revealing his counsel to his servants, the prophets. So that had to be uh, quite a shock uh, for Zechariah to hear, okay, uh, you're going to have a son, and this son is going to be a sign that God is about to do something uh, very mighty, very powerful. And, and it's been 400 uh, years since there's been a prophet. That's right. Uh, and so then secondly, Gabriel says to Zechariah that this son that you're going to have is going to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. And that, that's straight out of Malachi 3.1, the last of the prophets in the Old Testament there. And so that had to be an answer to the prayer of, Lord, send us our deliverer, send us your Messiah, uh, and revive your people. So, so as a priest, he would obviously be aware of those passages. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt he would. And so then Zechariah's question about, after all of this, is how can I know this? Not how can it be. That, that's really what, uh, if you think about Mary's response to when this same angel Gabriel said to her that you're going to give birth to a son uh, who will uh, rule on the throne of David, in other words, the Messiah, uh, and so Mary said, how can this be? But, uh, and that'll be looked at in an in a upcoming session. But Zechariah's question is more, how can I know this? In other words, eh, I don't know about this. Uh, he adds, by the way, I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years. So Zechariah seems to really have had doubts about the plan. I, I guess really we can say doubts that God could do what he was promising to do. And so in, in essence, Zechariah was asking for a sign. And that's interesting too, because Gabriel's response uh, to Zechariah's question, how can I know this, was really both a rebuke of that lack of faith in God, but also it's an accession to the request for a sign because Zechariah became the sign. Yeah. 
if you want to sign, you want to sign, here's a sign. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and the sign, of course, was that Zechariah would not be able to speak until John was born and named. So Zechariah actually became that sign. Uh, so it, in in essence, the the difference there, Zechariah's question, really. And we can, we really just need to leave that to the Lord uh, to know. The Lord knows our hearts, but it seems that Zechariah's question reflected more of a, of a doubt in the Lord and not so much request for information, but I just don't know, Lord, if you can do this. Well, David, bring in, how then, we've got to have folks in our classes who are going to have doubts when they face, you know, some kind of situation or when they hear an imp- a promise of God, and they think, how could God deliver on that? How can we deal with our doubts when we face what we consider maybe an impossible promise, or when we, when mm-hmm. God makes an impossible promise, or something we consider an impossible promise? Well, the antidote to doubt, according to scripture, is faith, and it's not necessarily more knowledge, and that's what Zechariah was asking for, how can I know this? I need some more knowledge. I need to be convinced uh, somehow that this can happen. Uh, But the antidote to that is faith. Uh, And if you think about that then, that as the relationship uh, between ourselves and the Lord deepens, then our faith in him grows. And, and so when these kinds of doubts arise, and they arise for all of us uh, from time to time, but when they arise, we, we can ask ourselves, okay, well, who am I really doubting here? Am I doubting myself, my own uh, faith in the Lord, or am I doubting God? Am I doubting his ability? So what we don't want to do is doubt God's ability. God can do uh, what he says he will do if we face that and ask God, help me with my faith at that point. Absolutely. Make my faith stronger and then leave that in God's hands. Um, there's a, there's promises in this passage. Uh, how are these promises tied to our redemption? Well, uh, take for example, the, uh, the promise in verse 16, where Gabriel says that, that John will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And that promise assumes that many of the children of Israel had turned away from the Lord, their God. And and that really points back to uh, really centuries before this, following the disaster in 586 BC, when the Babylonians uh, destroyed the city of Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and took many captives uh, from that time forward, the, the promised land had come under one after another foreign powers. You had the Babylonians followed by the Persians and then the Greeks. And then in 63 BC, Rome. And Rome was ruling over the uh, promised land even when, um, when Jesus was born or during the first century. Uh, and so during all of those long centuries, which, as you say, said earlier, there was no prophetic voice, uh, God's people often wondered, would the Lord ever deliver them again? Did he even care about them anymore? And so uh, here, uh, Gabriel is promising Zechariah that John, when John comes, when John begins his 
ministry, he will turn many of the children of Israel back to the Lord their God. And then in verse 17, there's a key promise, which I, I believe relates to this return of the prophetic voice and the promise of the Lord's uh, intent and purpose to act mightily on behalf of his people. Uh, and we're reminded a little bit later uh, in chapter 1, verses 76 through 79, it's a place where after John's birth that Zechariah prophesied and he, he said this, you child, talking about John, you child will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. And because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now, th those promises uh, are tied to our redemption in that we too uh, are uh, recipients of the blessing of the coming of the Lord uh, Jesus Christ and the plan of God to uh, bring forgiveness of our sins and to redeem us into a people uh, for glorifying Him. One of the things that we're encouraged to do in the personal study guide, the daily discipleship guide, it's in the leader guide as well, is in the Bible skill, which is to compare uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth in Luke 1 to Elkanah and Hannah in 1 Samuel 1. Uh, you were, to, were asked to look at the similarities and differences and uh, you know try to see how those two stories are similar. Both of them involve prayer for a son. Both of them are... Mm -hmm older in that sense there's a variety of things here so it's, we're just asked to compare those two to get an insight the second half of the bible skill is to reflect on these narratives personally and then ask ourselves what prayers have we been asking that seem to go unanswered uh, in what way do you see god's plan in the way he has responded to your prayers uh, when we're teaching this one of the things i would do uh, i plan on doing is doing the bible skill but stopping uh, with the comparison and then encourage folks to come back, visit that after the Bible study time's over and then reflect on those two questions about their own prayers. What prayers have they been asking? Have they, they have gone unanswered and how do they see God's plan in the way he's responding to our prayers? Once again, asking that question, which we just talked about, David, is how do um, the, the, the promises of God tie to our redemption or to his redemptive plan and that's a part of this is how do our prayer requests tie to God's redemptive plan? And we need to evaluate our prayers in light of that. David, any other key insights you would have about Luke 1, 13 through 25? No, I think it's a great passage to, uh, to study and to, to look at and to, uh, and to learn from uh, that, you know, even, even when our uh, prayers might go unanswered for a long time that uh, we can still have faith in the Lord and that uh, he, he will keep his promises and we can trust in him because we, are, uh, because we believe in him. David, thank you for being with us today. I wanna to thank our listeners out there for listening today. If you have comments or questions, you're welcome to send me an email at dwayne.mccurry at lifeway.com. That's D-W-A-Y-N-E dot M-C-C. R-A-R-Y at lifeway.com. 
and I'll do my best to answer your question. Or if I don't know the answer, I'll find the right person who can answer it. But I promise to read it and respond to it in a timely fashion. Join us next week as we look at session two. We'll be looking at uh, verses 26 through 38 of chapter one.